Hello and welcome to the Loose Forward Podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Callum. And I'm Gray. And and we're all about Rugby League. The M62 and beyond. Getting better at that. Yeah. Well done. So people will have noticed that we've got an extra voice on this week. We have indeed. So uh, we've been, uh, Gray, we've been giving you the big build-up for about the last three weeks now before we've got to recording. So uh, welcome. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. Um, so this is a special episode. We're going to split this into three parts, and this is all based around Gray's work um, in uh, lobbying the rugby league into some answers. Uh, not just the rugby league, but uh, but uh, the press, um, organize, other organisations within the game, um, trying to get some answers that, well, really, that fans care about. So we're going to split this up into three, and the first one that we're going to look at today is going to be uh, sponsorship and branding of Rugby League, which, let's be honest, every Rugby League fan complains about. So um, what I want to do first of all, Gray, is just for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us a little bit about your Rugby League story. Um, it's probably not too dissimilar to a lot of people's. I grew up in a Rugby League town um, in the mid-80s. Um, the game was a lot different back then, obviously, than it is now, but... I was lucky enough that I had some mates down the road who were a little bit older than me and took me to games when I was quite young. Um, I think the, the sights and sounds and smells of Nosewood in the mid-80s were um, were probably um, more than I could handle as a kid, and I fell in love with it straight away. I, th- I think I fell in love with going to the games, much as the game itself. And as you get a little bit older and your surroundings mean less to you, you get involved in the game more and I think I just fell in love with it from a really young age, and I've I've never really stopped. And thirty odd years later, I'm you know still love the game. But as you get older, you you see things in the game that possibly aggravate you more. So um, here I am, still very much a rugby league fan, still very much love it, but um, a bit more openly critical of it, which is obviously why I'm here today. Yeah, brilliant. I think something that we've just looked at each other while you were saying that was the, uh, the sights and the sound and the smells of Nosley road and anybody that that's grown up with them, particularly um, pre new ground, shall we say? So any, anything around Wilderspool, uh, Norton park, even though that's in the same place, uh, but that sort of that, like you said, in the eighties, it was completely different, wasn't it? To, to the way it is now, which, uh, and I think that's uh, uh, lovely and nostalgic as well. Yeah, well, that's, I think one of my um, one of the things people say about me is I, I love a bit of nostalgia, but sometimes it's um, sometimes it's valid. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, you just said about as you come to, as you get older, that you looked at things in a different way and become more critical. So tell us why you care so much. Because uh, I, I, I'm not one of these people that goes around saying you know rugby league's the greatest game. I'm not arrogant enough to think that our game's better than anybody else's. I'm a I'm a football fan. I like other I like other things. Rugby league is as good or as bad as anything else. But I think that I'm passionate about it because I don't think we punch our weight, and I don't think we ever have. And I see there are things that we can do better than we do, and I think there are ways that we can make the game better structurally and the way it's presented, even the way it's played. That I think we fail at time and time again, and and that really angers me because I, I I think that whilst you know we're not the greatest game, we might be, we might not be. I think we can be a lot better than we are. And when you're a kid, you just you know you take it all in, you watch the games, you you're in awe of it all, the players, the as you say, the sights and sounds. And as you get older, you kind of think, 
why are there only 10,000 here? Why aren't there 20,000? Why aren't there 15,000? Why is this playoff structure the way it is? Why do the broadcasters not give us X, Y, and Z that they give to other people? You know, And you start to think, is it just because the game isn't very good? Or is it because the game isn't marketed very well or the people in charge aren't doing their job properly? And it's not unique to rugby league, but it happens more often than not in rugby league. And so if you don't care about something, you just let it wither and die. You let it go on and do what it wants to do. But if you care about it, it's your job. Well, not your job. It's your. It's something that you should do to try and see if you can make it a little bit better. And, and this letter was a very small way of trying to do something to try and make it a little bit better just to try and get some answers to questions that I think a lot of rugby league fans have yeah absolutely now you you wrote the letter to um, the RFL Super League Europe the all parliamentary group um, on rugby league and you also sent it to various rugby league media outlets as well to to try and, and, and get some answers Um. What are you hoping for with the letter? Um, I think, as I say in the letter, that it's not a it's not a list of complaints. It's not it's not a load of people whinging about stuff because that can be easily dismissed. It's it was an attempt to ask some questions in a you know a forthright but a polite way. Questions that I think people in charge of any organisation or any company or any sport should be able to give an answer to. And if you frame it in the right way and you ask questions which people should know the answers to, I don't think it's too much to ask that you get answers to questions. And so that's the way that's the way I say I, we frame the letter, that people other people contributed to the letter. Everybody at the end of the letter who co signed it has given me help, has given me constructive feedback. So it, it was a joint effort with my name on it, it was my idea, my name's on it. But it was a it was a it was a joint effort. And we decided, you know structure it properly ask questions hopefully you'll get answers if you ask questions in a polite way yeah did you receive any responses for the people that you sent it to no not a single one no i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt at the moment it's been it's been weeks rather than months and with the pandemic and possibly people not being in their jobs and other reasons i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt at the moment but as yet no I had an email exchange with the editor of the Rugby League Express, who's um, who's told me that the letter will go on the website, but as yet, I haven't seen it, and I haven't been notified that it's gone onto the website, but fingers crossed it will go onto the website sometime this week, so that might be something, that might be a breakthrough, but as yet, from the authorities, nothing. How disappointed are you, Gray, with that the lack of response? I know you said that you were giving people the benefit of the doubt, but... In in your heart of hearts, how disappointed are you that you've not had any responses so far? Um, quite a lot, to be, to be honest. Um, I was always kind of brought up to believe that you know, if you if you if you send a letter and you you do all the right things, and you ask polite questions and you make people aware that you've worked hard to ask those questions, that you know, it's the 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 the, 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 the minimal thing that you would expect back is a response now even if it's a generic thank you for your letter response but the fact that we ask questions and we ask them in such a in my opinion polite way and showed that we'd done our research showed that we'd done our thinking showed that we tried we weren't trying to be confrontational we were trying to ask questions as rugby league fans who want the sport to do well and to prosper to not get any response is um it's quite disappointing yeah i won't lie 
Yeah, and just to touch on the um, the, the history of the letter as well. This wasn't this wasn't just your doing, was it? This was this was through um, uh, fans forum and and your your emailed connections and things like that, wasn't it? To it wasn't just yeah. your voice asking questions. This is a voice of the rugby league fan. Yeah, you, you'll you'll know the situation. Um, somebody will come onto a forum and then they'll raise an issue that they don't like, whether it's broadcasting, playoff structure, sponsorship. And within a week, you'll get 50 or 100 people who will agree with it. And everyone will have a conversation about all the problems that they have. But then because everyone agrees and there isn't really that much fight back from people who don't agree, the conversation withers and dies. And then three months later, something else annoys people. And the same conversation starts up again. You have these issues in the game threads that start on forums. And they come up every two or three times a year, but they never go anywhere. No, Callum, but do you the think... problems still remain. The problems still remain. And this time, I thought it started again. Let's just stick all these things together. Let's put them in a letter and let's let's take it out of our bubble. Let's take it out there. And if you agree with it, stick your name on it. And that's what I tried to do. Yeah, fantastic, Callum. I mean, you've watched rugby league all your life, like like the rest of us have. Do you think that's in- indicative of? the rugby league fan, that we just feel a little bit downtrodden and the fact that we just put up with these things. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's why Gray's letter is, is so great. You know, like you said, it, he's, the letter is the voice of the rugby league fan. Um, and I think when when you read the letter and, and, and like Gray says, it, it's not some madman shouting and screaming, why are we doing it? it it's It's... It's wrote really well. It's really polite, and the fact that they've had no responses, and you know, especially after the way that it, it's it's been written, is really really disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, without further ado, gentlemen, we'll we'll get into some discussion about it about the um, the first part of the content of the letter, which is sponsorship and going back uh, to the history of, of rugby league sponsorship as well. Great thoughts on that. Um, I, I, when I grew up, um, pretty much everything was sponsored by a cigarette company. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. rugby league. Rugby league depended on you know Silk Foot, John Player, Eagle to sponsor it. That disappeared. Obviously, rugby league didn't benefit from the from that in that respect. But since then, our, the, the sponsorship of the game's been pretty much pretty much a joke. We, we've not really retained any big name sponsors. In June Super League era, when we've had more television coverage, it's been it's been poor, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've got exactly like you. I've got Oasis down here. I've got cigarettes and alcohol <laughs> for um, for the um, for the sponsorship because I mean, <laughs> and I made a list of the stuff that was going on. I mean, I'm I'm thinking further. I'm thinking further back because um, I, I, I I'm even older than you, and I'm looking at it like you know in, in the league. Pre-Super League era, we had things like the Slalom Lager Championships. Oh um, yes, uh, the we had what was in what was essentially a, in, in football terms, if you like, a League Cup, wasn't it? Which was the John Player Trophy, uh, the Regal tro- that became the Regal Trophy. But then also we also had the the County Cups as well, which I really missed to be honest. The Lancashire and Yorkshire Cups, and they were another. Uh, I can remember the Lancashire Cup being sponsored by Burton Wood Breweries and Greenalls. And the Yorkshire Cup was always sponsored by Webster's or John Smith's. And I think that was indicative of the time, I think, wasn't it? And certainly from the Challenge Cup era, I mean, I know I've I've had a look at this and it was the State Express Challenge Cup, which was a a make of cigarettes in the 80s. I don't remember them, to be honest. But 
Um, and then in 1985 became the Silk Cut Challenge Cup, which was probably the, the one thing that I really remember sticking out as the Silk Cut Challenge Cup. Yeah, I yeah. think um, that, that was the one that lasted the, the longest. I sort of focused more on, um, well, Super League really from there because um, that's that's my era and that's that's what I grew up with. And um, you know, like Grace said, um, the, the, the sponsorship has been really poor and to me it just sort of seemed quite lazy as well when you look at some of them like um the, we've had jjb super league um obviously the wigan were heavily involved with jjb weren't it's the stadium that mm. they were at and things like that um and then and then tetley's did it for a bit but then tetley's made a bit of a comeback and sponsored the challenge cup for a bit it was a bit like we need a sponsor so we'll just go to somebody that we know um and now we've got betfred sponsoring both the Super League and the Challenge Cup, as if to say, well, we need a sponsor, so again, we'll just call, give somebody the, a ring that we know to see if we can do it. Great. How worried? How worried is that? I mean, that we seem to have gone. I wouldn't say full circle, but we seem to have moved over to the the gambling aspect, don't we? Of of sponsorship from obviously cigarettes now aren't allowed to advertise in sporting events. We've still got alcohol ones. Um, Kingston Press have done some sponsorship. Um, yeah. But then we've got we've now got Betfred, but they now sponsor both. How worrying is it, or how worried should we be that if Betfred decided to get up tomorrow morning and say, actually, do you know what, we're going to pull the plug on on rugby league, um, both the Super League and the Challenge Cup, and now left them without a sponsor. You don't even just have to worry about them pulling the plug. The plug might be pulled on them if legislation about betting companies sponsoring. Um, shirts and events comes in in the next five years, you could end up in a situation where the main sponsor of both of our tournaments, it's illegal for them to actually sponsor either of them. And, and you, you're putting everything in one basket and hoping that Fred Dunn, sorry, whatever his name is, Bet Fred, are going to stick with the game. But the problem is, is that if you've got your Premier League Championship and your Premier Cup competition, sponsored by the same company it's a very narrow field and I don't know this for a fact but it looks for a fact that just the Challenge Cup didn't have a sponsor so they said to the guy who sponsors the Super League do you want to give us a little bit more money and you can have the Cup as well that shows a lack of ambition you know the Challenge Cup's on the BBC it's still one of the crown jewels the final's on the BBC every year 2 million people watch it it's going to be moved to June this year middle of the summer might be one of the first things after the maybe even possibly before or after the European Championships, when you might even have a full Wembley, be a big event on the summer calendar, and we've we've sold it for basically nothing mm. to the guy who already sponsors the league championship. So it's a lack of ambition, a lack of long term planning, and if everybody else sees the same person sponsoring the league and the cup, it's it, it doesn't incentivize anybody else to try and get involved. Yeah, and as you say, the Challenge Cup is one of the protected events, isn't it? It's a Category A. Yeah. Um, uh, protected event as well, along with uh, along with things like the FA Cup final and the uh, the Grand National and things like that. Yes, that's true. Yeah, so no, you, you're quite you're quite right about that. I mean, this uh, you can go back to during the history. You can look at it and you can say uh, we had the disastrous Eddie Stobart uh, sponsorship, didn't we? Which contained no money but a hundred painted trucks but then when they knew it was a mitigated disaster we pulled out of that as a, as a sport 
but that then left us without a sponsor in 2013. Yeah, I believe. Oh, sorry, Cal. sorry. No, yeah, I was just saying we 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 mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Um, like I don't know. I think I only ever saw two of them. I don't know how many you saw, Gray, but I didn't see a lot. Um, it was just a complete disaster, wasn't it? Just to to take less money and um, well, no money, no money. well, no money. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I believed though, Gray, at the time we'd actually as a sport. I say, and I always use the term "we" as a sport, but I, I believed we'd turn down. Um, two offers as well, hadn't we at that time? From what I heard at the time, there was a there was a there was interest from a betting company, and the club said we, you know, they they agreed that they didn't want to take they didn't want to take sponsorship money from a betting company, so they went with this deal, thinking it would be transformative. It would be you know out of the box, all this other jingle jingle stuff that people say, you know, all this jargon. It'll be a completely new way of sponsoring things. You know, people will see these trucks. It will expand the game into areas of the country that, you know, the game doesn't get to. So we're not going to take the money from the betting company. This will be a better look for us. And then after one year, they tried to sell it as if it had been such a great deal. We don't need them anymore, (laughs) which is is a brilliant way of saying, your sponsorship has been fantastic. We don't need you anymore. You know, the the way they span it. And, And I think that was the start of it, 2012, 2013. That was the start of rugby league authorities trying to spin disasters as successes, and that that was that's the Stobart deal was a, was a pretty much a landmark event in terms of the rugby league trying to spin really bad news into good news, and and, and we eventually did go with the betting company, so we we kind of wasted probably I think we had engage after um, after that deal didn't we I think it was the engage uh, Super League for a yeah, number they- of years. Yeah, first utility I think was uh, was after that. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're right. but um, but you, you're right. And now in the 2012, they actually blamed it at the time. Looking back at some of the reports on it, was the Richard Lewis era, who was the uh, uh, the, the, the chief exec of uh, the RFL at the time, um, and he wanted to go down what he termed an ethical sponsorship route. <laughs> yes, um, which I suppose begs the next question. Um, which I'll, I'll ask you, Gray, is in rug, in rugby league in the way we are now in the, in the current the current climate. Is there such a thing as ethical sponsorship? Bearing in mind our history, um, possibly not. And it's 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 not something that it's not something that aggravates me too much because you know uh, you, you can you can get to the bottom of anybody and you know complain about various practices that they get up to. I don't think there's any. You know, there are probably some squeaky clean companies out there that are probably out of our reach. So yeah. you're always going to have you're always going to have companies that have got certain things about them that people are going to object to. It. It's not something that I think is kind of top of the list we should avoid. You know, a, a betting company is just as valid as you know lots of other things to sponsor the game. It's more just it's more just about the image that it sends out, and and. I'd like to know, and we never will know, I'd like to know if anybody else made a bid and anybody else was actually asked to make a bid, if there, if there, if Super League actually sold itself and said, please come and sponsor us, this is what we've got, this is what we can offer you, how much would you, how much would you like to give us? I'd love to see who came back, yeah. if any offer was made in the first place. Yeah, unfortunately, these things are always clouded in, uh, in, in secrecy. Callum... One of the one of the first things that you were mentioning to me before, one of the first sponsorships that you can remember, in, uh, was the Challenge Cup one by uh, Kellogg's. You loved this one, didn't you? 
Yeah, because when you're 10 and you're getting handfuls of Nutri-Grains, it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> but I, um... Not the blue ones, though. <laughs> no. I just took all the raspberry ones. I literally just kept going back. No. That was, I remember, uh, I think I think it might have been at Cardiff at the time, I think, because Wembley was being rebuilt, and I think we went down to Cardiff for a couple of the finals, and yeah, yeah they were giving out, uh, they were giving out new to grains, weren't they? One of the other interesting things as well was that um, it then became, the Challenge Cup then was sponsored by Leeds Carnegie. Now, I was working over at, uh, in West Yorkshire at the time um, for, for Sport England, and... Um, it was really interesting because Leeds had dropped the Carnegie brand from the university and they struggled with uh, attracting um, high-class performers to their, uh, to their sports programmes. And they had a, uh, a, a programme then of, of literally putting their name on every, every sporting event they could get on. Um, and I think, they even, I think they sponsored the rugby union team at one time I think they were known as Leeds Carnegie. Yeah, um, yes, they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they sponsored the the netball team and anything they could get the name on. And the rumors, the rumors around the rugby league at the time was the challenge. They, they put a, I think it was a five year deal with the Challenge Cup, um, and it was it was sponsored by a university, which was quite, I suppose, strange in itself. But the the they were quoting the figures. It was a seven figure sum, um, and it wasn't. I know for a fact it was a six-figure sum because the the, the uh, vice-chancellor told me that it wasn't seven, it was six. He didn't tell me what the six were, but that then leaves it open to say that it was, it could have been as little as 100,000. We'll never know, but um, again, it's just one of those things that just like one of these urban myths that just gets, again, shrouded in secrecy from a rugby league point of view. And then, and then... Obviously, then they, they've since dropped the name Brand, uh, Carnegie, haven't they? Because I think Got it's Beckett, I think Beckett, Beckett University. Yeah. yeah. So um, they they made their name, and they still have a. I mean, they still have a rugby league connection, don't they? Because yeah, they don't. They, are they involved with Leeds Rhinos? Do Leeds do the training there or like rehab stuff think, there and yeah. things? So I think I, I think they do. Yeah. So great. If we if we take that a bit forward, then and look at that to say we look at um, other other sports. And we look at we look at some of the, and not suppose in terms of comparison of numbers of deals, but how do you see rugby league compared to other sports in terms of? I hasten to say the level of sponsors that we that we're attracting, but you understand what I mean by that, I think, don't you? In the in, the, in how it's perceived, I suppose. Well, I, that's that's the pertinent question because. <clears throat> With with sponsorship comes a certain categorization of people that are following a sport. Because if you, as you say, the, the, the better and worse sponsor is the wrong way to put it. It's a certain, it's a certain image of a brand name, certain image of a sponsor, and you look at our, our, our rival sport. I assume is rugby union in terms of in terms of the number of fans that watch games, television viewers. Obviously, the other code within the game. Yeah. You look at some of the some of the companies that have given their name to competitions, have stuck their name on the front of rugby union premiership team shirts. Mm. It's 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 another world, and not just in terms of the money, but in terms of the the image that it gives to that sport. And and if if some of the companies that give their name to rugby union are doing so, 
then they they're saying so within the assumption that the people that you know they want to be their customers are also the people who are watching rugby union. Yeah. Now that's not a, that's not a new thing. That's not a that's not some you know that's not some shock horror news story that you know there are affluent people who follow rugby union, but there are also affluent people who follow rugby league. There are some really nice areas of the north of England. There are some people with a lot of money that follow rugby league. Yeah. But you would never know it. And the people that think that their customers are affluent and who follow certain sports don't think that those people follow rugby league. And so therefore those companies never come near rugby league. And it's a again, it's a lack of it's a lack of marketing, it's a lack of expertise to actually try and tell those customers sorry, try to tell those companies, you should come to Rugby League because some of your customers do follow Rugby League and this will improve your brand. No attempt, in my opinion, is seen to do it, whereas Rugby Union do it, other sports do it. Sports that, sports that I would consider to be, you know, you, if you had a stereotype of the average fan, things like darts and snooker, they attract better sponsorship as well. Yeah, and... You're right in what you're saying with the sport in these shirts because, I mean, you look at rugby league and we have things like Barry's Builders, don't we, on, on, on the front of shirts. I mean, look at St. Anne's now and cash converters. Cash converters. United aren't going to have cash converters on the front of their shirts. No, that's right. And, and I get that, you know, we're not, you know, as a game, we're not in that ballpark, are we, where we can sort of, it's not going to be like the Emirates Challenge Cup or people, you know. They're not no, but that's, that's the, the image that we've got and that's the image that we need to get rid of, I think, isn't it? So... Yeah, it, it is, and uh, but as Gray said, there's some really nice areas in the north of England. It, it just makes me it just makes me wonder what what attempts have been made to attract, should we say, blue chip companies on on board? Mm, yeah, and and we'll never know. I don't think we'll ever know the answer. Um, but if I had to put money on, I would say not. But you can't. I don't. Will you- but you think of it another way. I mean, you you, you look at you know the, the Gallagher, who's the sponsor of the Rugby Union Premiership, and you're looking at reportedly about ten million annual, which is probably about ten times the amount that we get for Super League. Yeah. But you actually look at the people who are actually watching it. It's okay saying you know the, the customers of our company are watching Rugby Union, but there aren't many of them. There's like hundreds, hundred and fifty thousand watch the average Rugby Union Premiership game on BT. More people watch the average Super League game on Sky. Sky isn't cheap, you know? And you can argue about some people spend their money on Sky, they should spend on other things. But having Sky is not cheap. So a rugby league fan that is watching a game of rugby league on Sky has already spent a reasonable amount of money every year to watch the game on Sky. No concept of that is given when trying to sell the game and sell sponsorships. You're going to be on Sky if you're the sponsor of Saints or Wigan or Leeds or Hull, you're going to be on Sky pretty much 20 to 25, Thursday and Friday nights, on Sky Sports, prime time. A lot of people watching compared to Rugby Union, compared to other things. It, I, don't, I can't imagine how difficult it is to sell that, to say to somebody, your name is going to be on the TV every Friday night for 20, 25 weeks across the summer, and 200,000 people are going to be watching it. And this isn't 200,000 people who've just cottoned onto it. This is 200,000 people who are loyal and watch it every week and are paying 80 quid a month to watch it on Sky Sports. You know, there doesn't seem to be any kind of planning or marketing that's been put into that to try and get these companies to 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 join us. 
No, I think um, I I was running with, with you saying about how much Sky costs and things like that. I was I I've always wondered whether we would be able to do our own streaming service like on the hour league thing, but better. You mean like uh, Watch NRL? Yeah, like the Watch NRL thing. Um, I think the Watch NRL thing, if you pay it in one go annually, I think it's hundred and twenty five quid or something like that. But you get. Um, all the TV shows that they do, you can watch um, any round at any time. Um, you know, you you get um, like a, a they call it a mini, so it's like a twenty minute version of the highlight, it's okay. like an extended highlights thing. So you get you get everything. You can watch everything on it. Um, and I have always wondered whether we could do something like that. Anyway, I did a, a, a little bit of research on it. So basically, what I did was take the each individual's club's 2019 average attendances okay um and divided that number by 3 because because the the idea is to sort of say that one in three people would have a subscription because you might have like say a family of four that go well they'll only have one subscription between them yeah. or you might have somebody that goes on your own okay. or in a duo and things like that so i thought 3 was a pretty even number yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah. to try and divide it by Anyway, if you divide all the average attendances in 2019, um, you come up with 32,989 people. So essentially, it's like season ticket holders for each club. If you times that by £120, um, pretty much the same price as the Watch NRL thing, that comes out at just under £4 million. For a year's rugby league. And that's literally just season ticket holders. And that doesn't include that doesn't include people who live away from their clubs, people who live abroad. No, people who just might buy it because they, you know, have a, a, a slight interest in rugby league at like a tenner a month or whatever, yeah. then then they might you might pick up subscriptions there. So that's just under four million pounds. That's that's half of what the new proposed Sky Deal is. And that's just literally season ticket holders, pretty much. Um, so I think when you talk about Sky and things like that, I've always wondered whether we can sort of be forerunners in that um, and have our own streaming service. Um, but then obviously you have the other side where it's like, well, if you're not really that into rugby league, you're never going to see it. So it's, I think it all comes down to... To how much, how many subscriptions you could make, and how much money you could make from that. I think as well, Gray. I think we've we've missed a trick, haven't we? In this this hour league, um, I think I'm right in saying that you can only watch it if you're a season ticket holder. Is that yeah. is that right? You get a code, but then you can't watch other games, can you? No. And you know, at a time when people can't go to grounds and things, I just think that we should be really getting the the word out about rugby league and and giving it as much exposure as we can to the casual armchair fan. Uh, I, I, I said, <clears throat> I said on the forum last week. Um, people were saying that Sky, the, the contract that we have with Sky means that we couldn't, we couldn't allow our league to charge for games that Sky didn't want to show. But my argument was, you know, Sky are doing really well at the moment because on the average Friday night when there's a Sky game on, there's probably another three games on at the same time. So there's twenty, thirty thousand people not watching the game on Sky Live because yeah. they're actually at their own game. There's nobody. 
There's nobody at a game when Sky Games are on now. They've got every rugby league fan that's got Sky. They're a captive audience. Yeah. If you stick these other games on at times when they're not clashing with the Sky Games, Sky are doing better than they would have been doing. And you could you could easily do a deal where our league charged £10 for the Saints-Wakefield game on Friday night. It kicked off at 6 o'clock. It wasn't clashing with Sky. It was a game that Sky didn't want to show yeah. in the first place. But again, you know, Who's who's running the game? Who's who's making the decisions? Who has the influence over whether, you know, we are allowing rugby league fans to watch games when they can't go to the ground? And it didn't happen with the Premier League. The Premier League did a deal whereby every single game is on TV. Now you have to pay for it. Yeah, you have to get Sky or BT, but they made it available. And to be fair, yeah, it's a good idea that members get games. But for example, I lived in London for <clears throat> I lived in London for ten years. I've been back up north for a year, 18 months. I can't get a membership to Saints this year. They won't allow it. The only people that they are allowing to have memberships is the people that had memberships last year. So if I wanted to give Saints a load of money for a season ticket this year, even for half a season, they're not allowing me to do it. So I'm already locked out of getting that game on our league. I'm happy to pay for it. I'm happy to have a season ticket, even if it means I only get in for three or four games at the end of the year when the the restrictions are uh, better than they are now. So they're locking people out of watching games that they want to play. They're actually taking money off the table. There are people there that are happy to spend money to watch a game of rugby league on our league, and they're being prevented from doing it because they don't have the power to tell their main broadcaster, this is not part of the contract. Your contract was to show games. Other people would be at their own games. If people can't get to the games, we're going to allow them to watch it. Who has the power here? Who has the influence? Who is who's pulling the strings and it certainly doesn't seem like it's the authorities it seems like it's our broadcast partner who are setting the rules and denying people their opportunity to watch a game that they don't want to broadcast themselves yeah it reminds me of the Simpsons when uh, when Homer says depends who's a better negotiator me or Mr Burns yeah and it's like <laughs> and that's the situation that we are in and uh, unfortunately I think Super League is uh, is Homer isn't it on this on this occasion but yeah, it's just um, it, 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 the, the influence, though, Gray of of Sky now is is getting to be particularly worrying when you wrap up all the TV coverage, isn't it? It, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, it, it's you know, I, I, I'll accept that Sky have done good things for the game. I'll accept that you know you you and I spoke the other day of I mean we both love the 85 season the Lancashire Cup the Premiership you know the Lancashire Cup was shown on BBC two weeks after the game the Premiership final against Hull KR that year was like half hour highlights on the BBC to have live games throughout the season is a really good thing and Sky have done Sky have done well out of Rugby League Rugby League have done well out of Sky yeah. but unfortunately unlike other things there has to be a there has to be a a division of power between the game and the broadcaster, the game should decide when the broadcaster can broadcast games. The game should decide when what the broadcaster, how the broadcaster can kind of advertise the game in some ways. You should be able to put pressure on your broadcasters and say, you know, please, please prioritise us in your advertising. Please do this. Please do that. Please don't let your lead commentator disparage the Challenge Cup when he's commentating on Super League games. These are little things that a lot of sports will say to their broadcast partners, and it doesn't seem like there's any pressure put upon Sky in how they actually not just cover the game, but talk about the game, advertise the game. And 
I think that's been a problem for a little while. I mean, I, I don't get hit up about, you know, who's commentating or anything like that. That's no. that's a problem in all sports, I think. People will always complain about who's the commentator, what have they said. But it's personal, the overall, that's personal taste anyway, isn't it? Yeah. But the overall coverage, you know, it, it, it's now gone too far in their direction as opposed to it being an, an even split of power between the, the game and the broadcaster, which is what it usually is in most sports. Well, let me ask you this then. Um, when you say that Rugby League's done well out of Sky and Sky has done well out of Rugby League, we're now 25 years into Super League. In terms of in, in terms of where we are broadcasting ways, have we moved on? And what I mean by that, perhaps not financially, but have we moved on as a, as a sport? Um, if you look at the Premier League, I think the, the first deal was something like £342 million or something, and now we're up to about £5 billion, aren't we, for the rights on that? But... But they've moved on as a as a sport and a broadcaster, and, and to the point where, as we know, that, that football is now it's become all encompassing, hasn't it? With with everything, nothing else really gets a look in now. So have we have we moved on as a as a sport? Well, you already know the answer, don't you? Um, I, I would I would say a big massive N and a big massive O. Um, no, of course we haven't. We've, um, I think we had a really good opportunity in the late 90s when Super League started. And I think going into the 2000s, I think we were doing well. I think um, I think the deal really suited us. I think we had the um, the ratings were going up. We were being watched by more people. Yeah. Um, it was fresh. It was new. The, the, the skills in the game were really high. You know, there was, there was a lot of good teams around. And I think we were doing really well out of it. Um, in terms of the money that the, the money has risen, you know, contract after contract, it's risen a little bit. Um, but now it's 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 flatlining, and so I, I don't I don't see any evidence that we've grown as a game. I look at the attendances that Wigan get now compared to ten, fifteen years ago. You know, there's a there's 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 certain reasons for that. Obviously, you know, I don't think we capitalised on moving to Langtree in 2012 for various reasons. I don't think the game has grown in ways that we would have hoped it would have done 10 or 20 years ago. We had a chance. We had, I think we had five or six years from 96 to 2002, 2003 when the game was really good and people were enjoying it and people were watching it, but we didn't capitalize on it. And I don't think, I don't think Sky ever really tried to capitalize on it either. We were a nice comfy spot for them to show two nights a week for six or seven months. We're really good for them in the summer when they didn't have anything else to show. We're a really comfy sport for them to show, and I think they're happy with what they've got from us. You know, mm. we're a cheap sport to cover. We get two hundred thousand on a Friday night. We 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 do what we, we do what they want us to do in terms of you know getting ratings and keeping people subscribed over the summer. And they've never really tried to make us bigger than what we are, and we've never really asked them to. And, yeah. and I don't think we've capitalised on it. Okay, question for you both, Callum. Do you think that expansion has got? I know we're slightly off topic with sponsorship, but is that? Tied in? Do you? Do you th- I mean, the first two games that were shown live on uh, with the new Super League when we moved to summer rugby, I think, was uh, Paris and Sheffield, and then the week after was uh, London and Paris. I think um, the three teams that were involved then are no longer in Super League. Is that from a is that from a, a television point of view? Is that has that put a damper on a, a reason that we're, perhaps we're not expanded as much as we should, Callum? Possibly. Um, you know, maybe even. Sky see us as this north northern game M sixty two corridor, so they might be saying, "Well, what's the point?" You know, if you've got London and you know how how and even Paris, we're in how how big those cities are. If you can generate interest to 
um, the population of of those cities. It, it more people come in, more more interest is gained, and 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 I think that um, it, it would have helped. Yeah, definitely. Great. If we had um, if we had teams all over the country, if we had a London team, a Birmingham team, a Bristol team, etc., would that would that present a better bargaining power in your opinion with the the TV deals? Maybe I'm not really sure though. To be honest, I, I, I look at I don't want to come back to rugby union again, but you look at where the rugby union Premiership teams are, and there's a lot of them in the West Country. Yeah, you know, Gloucester's not a particularly affluent place. You know, Exeter other places. There's not a massive spread of teams in the in the in the Premiership and rugby union, and the way that's reported on and the money that BT pay for it, that, that's not really a national league either. There's not really anywhere. There's not really, I mean, there's Harlequins, but there's there's only one team that really is in London. You know, Wasps moved out to Coventry. So the Rugby Union is very much a West Country, East Midlands kind of league as well. I mean, Newcastle aren't in the Premiership at the moment. The, the Leeds team that we talked about before, they're not, they're not in the Premiership, I don't think. I might be wrong. I don't think they are. I don't think they are so again, anymore, no. So again, the, the, in terms of geography, there's the Rugby Union at the top, at the top club level is very much in pockets in the, in the country as well and doesn't really spread beyond two or three really powerful areas. But it never really seems to suffer in the same way. So, I mean, if we had really, really, really good teams in London, really good teams in, I don't know, York's a good example, or Bristol or Northampton, maybe. But I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. I wouldn't want us to invest our time and energies to do that in the hope that it would give us a bigger TV deal because I think the harm that could be done from doing that, you know, could could harm us along the way of trying to get this end of the golden road kind of thing. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, how do you see how do you see the need for terrestrial television then within rugby league? Um, I. I... I, I appreciate that the sport needs money and I appreciate that, you know, you, the, the BBC or ITV are never going to pay as much to, to cover Super League. So that's, it's not me saying that we should have live games every weekend, but I watched the Challenge Cup on the BBC and I, I think the coverage is pretty good. I think it's probably better. I mean, they had less games so they can concentrate big guests for seven or eight weekends. But I look at the Challenge Cup on BBC and I think, imagine if we had that for an hour or 90 minutes every Saturday or Sunday afternoon with those people who cover the Challenge Cup, who do the analysis, who do the post-game stuff, the half-time stuff. Imagine if we had highlights of the Thursday and Friday night game and then 15, 20 minutes of chat in a kind of match-of-the-day style on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon on Terrestrial. You're not taking the live games away from Sky. You're keeping them exclusive. You're not showing them an hour after the games are finished. I think that would do the world of good for rugby league. And Every other sport's got one of these highlight shows, which is on either the same day or the same weekend, whereas ours is stuck on Monday night at 10 past 11. And if you don't live in the north, it's on Tuesday afternoon, two days before the next round starts. And so I I can't understand. And and that must be, there must be something in the deal with Sky that prevents the Rugby League having a terrestrial highlight show at the weekend. I think it would do so much good. Well, they, they used to, they actually, I don't think they still do, but they used to show... They used to have their own mini highlight show on Sky Sports News, I think. Didn't they have, like, Martin Afire in the studio and they showed all the tries about nine o'clock on Sky Sports News on a Sunday evening? I'm sure they used something to do like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, no, so but Super you, League full-time or something? It was something called. like that, yeah. I mean, and you look at that sort of thing as well, that where we... where. I mean, I used to enjoy Boots and All, and we've, we've lost that as well, haven't mm. we? So we've been marginalised mm-hmm. in other, in other programmes as well. Didn't they try to... 
sort of bring boots and all back last season. It wasn't called boots and all or anything. Was it just called our league or something? Mm. Or there was that something else. But I remember watching a couple of them and they had, um, I think it was Will Perry. Um, it was like the main presenter and it was a bit, it was sort of like boots and all, but yeah. a bit more laid back, I think. So. Uh, I think you were telling me as well, Callum, that the, um, you looked at the, the viewing figures, didn't you, for the, the recent Challenge Cup game that was uh, Leeds and Saints? Yeah, there oh, was yeah. there was a million viewers, uh, which is fantastic for for the, the Leeds and Saints games. But then I think what was just as impressive was that for the Catalan and Wakefield game after, um, 800,000 people stayed and watched that, which is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's tremendous yeah. figures. I mean, I mean, just on the Super League show, Gray, that you were talking about there, and I, I tried to stay up last night. New and we were doing the podcast today. I tried to stay up last night to to watch it. I'd seen the tries in the games and things. I'd I'd watched highlights, but I deliberately tried to stay up and watch it, and I couldn't. Mm. And I love rugby league, and I I couldn't stay yeah. up and watch it because I was that tired after work, etc. Things like that. I, ju- I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. Now, if I can't do that, then what chances? The casual fan gone, or or somebody who thinks not really watched this rugby league lot before. It's you know, um, and, by the, and by the time it's on, even if you did stay up till ten past twelve, past twenty, past eleven on a Monday night, the, the games that they're showing are four or five days old. Yeah, they, they, they you know they've they've you found another way to kind of watch the highlights or whatever you want to watch. Yeah, but sticking on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I think it would make the world a difference. I think it would get half a million on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. It would be really good and it would be, it'd be great for the game. Wouldn't harm Sky's live games, but it would give rugby league something different, something extra to get more people involved, more people watching it. And I'm amazed we don't have it. No, I agree. And I think um, look, looking at the uh, uh, looking at that that program last night that I was trying to stay up for, what I did notice as well was that if you put it on BBC One HD, you couldn't get it on there because that's a national thing, mm. and it's it was the Graham Norton show. Yeah, which I, which I wasn't as keen on. I'll be honest. I'm no, no. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I don't watch Super League show. I rarely watch it because of the time that it's on. Yeah. And like Gray says, the games are like four or five days old. You've already seen it. On I'm social on YouTube media, except, watching yeah. highlights and things like that. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if you aren't a rugby league fan, you're not going to go out your way to go on YouTube no. and watch the highlights, are you? So no. And one of the problems for us as well. Is that when we talk about Sunday, like if it's Sunday evening or something, for example, we now have match of the day too. Yeah. So that's again, that's another sporting slot that's that's taken up where that that could be the highlight show. It'd be great to even precede match of the day too yeah. with a highlight show when people tune in Sunday Sunday night. Yeah. I'm get, I've got ready for work, got ready for school, half nine till half ten that sort of time. Um. I, that to me that would be the ideal thing to get people turning onto it before they watch match of the day too. Well, it'd be better before. Uh, it'd be better than what half eleven, ten past eleven on a Monday night, wouldn't it? And four o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Yeah. You didn't, didn't you? Didn't you have a thing, Callum? Around? Uh, didn't you say something about what 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 was on TV this week or was it this? week? Oh yeah, just just this week. Um, literally, just rugby. This is not um, no NRL in this. So just. You know, British Rugby League. Uh, you've got the Super League show um, on Monday night, uh, but obviously that's just just the, the for the North, um, and then it's repeated on on Tuesday nationally. So you've got 
two of the same shows, Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday you've got uh, Huddersfield and Saints on Sky, Friday Hull FC and Wakefield on Sky, and then Saturday Catalan and Warrington on Sky. But obviously they've got the deal, haven't they, with the French TV to show every uh, Catalan home game. So if Catalan weren't at home, you've two games and one show. That's rubbish. Yeah. Absolute garbage. Which goes back to the points we're making about these hour league apps and this sort of thing before, where you've got a wider audience that can that can tune into it. Yeah, yeah. Great. When we look at um, before we move on to branding, just a, a, a how how do you see the the comparison of the terms of the deal to what we've got to to other sports? Um, I think I think as I said before, I mean you, you, the money is obviously a lot different, but. When the, when the Premier League sells its TV rights, it sells them in chunks. It says these these this package of games is for twelve thirty on Saturday. This package of games is for four thirty on a Sunday. So you know what you're buying. I don't think we sell our games asking broadcasters to put them on at a certain time. I don't think we ever asked um, Sky to put games on Monday night. I don't think we've ever asked Sky to put games on Thursday night. Sky have basically bought a number of games that I think they buy 80 games 70 games and then stick them on whenever they want yeah um, you know if, if no one's telling them that they can't then they'd be stupid not to yeah but I think you know that's the, I think that's the main difference there's there's no there are no rules or obligations placed upon the broadcaster and what they do once they've got the rights they can do whatever they want with them they can say whatever they want about the game they can disparage other parts of the game that they don't have the rights to show they can play the games whenever they want, and you know they move kickoff times around to suit various different things. You know, and fair play to them. I mean, they've spent the money in the rugby league and super league have said, "Do with it as you wish," and they have done. But I don't think for a second Sky would say no if we said we'd just like the same amount of money, but this is when we'd like games to be played. You know, yeah. for example, or there's a limit on how many times you can show X team or you have to show, you have to show such a team this many times as quotas on it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I, don't think any, I don't think there's anything like that. And again, as I said before, there has to be a, there has to be a division of power between the sport and the broadcaster, which I don't think exists. No. Callum, in terms of the overall figures, when we look at, we look at the monetary value of stuff. I mean, on a previous podcast, one of your red corners um, the angriest man in rugby league. We, you were, you were. Um, well, you were angry at women's football, weren't you? Uh, well, <laughs> I wasn't angry at women's football. So trying oh, to get sorry. me into trouble did I, now. Did I put words in your mouth? Yeah, then? sorry. Bit, yeah, um, I was angry at the the deal that they were were doing, and it was more at Sky and 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 more at um, our lack of ability to do well. Pretty much everything Grace just said in terms of just letting them bend us over. Um, but yeah, um, you know, when you look at the, the, the TV deal for the women's football and stuff, and they, they reckon it's a three-year deal and it's worth £8 million per season, um, Sky are going to show 44 matches and, and BBC are showing uh, 22, I think it is. Um, and then not only that, you've got like, uh, I think in 2019 they signed a three-year deal with Barclays to be the league sponsor. Um, and that that was believed to be in excess of ten million pound per season, uh, 
not sorry, not per season, <laughs> uh, for the three years. Plus, for the first season, there was a prize part of five hundred thousand pounds for the league champions. So them numbers are just yeah. staggering, really, for for women's football. And I'm not disparaging women's football, but it's 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 not the the, the biggest it's sport not, in the world. It's is not it? commensurate with the amount of people who are going to watch it. Yeah, no, we we'd get. I think we'd get more. Um, we'd get more payday loan than Barclays. Yeah, <laughs> Wonga or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you've. I know you've looked at some of the other figures though as well, haven't you? I mean, there was. Um, I think did you tell me Formula One was the, oh, the deal that Sky yeah with them Sky was... and they pay one point one billion pound yeah and and cricket as well was was, was one point one billion uh, it's just the ridiculous figures that we're talking about when we are I think I think I'm right in saying the fifth most watched sport in the country yeah well uh, yeah I think so I believe I believe that's right yeah. and and. I mean, I don't know how because it's number one in it, and I just <laughs> it is <laughs> one of the things that one of the things that I read was that for the for the Sky for the Open Golf, for what it cost them for a weekend's coverage is fifty percent of a whole season for Super League. It's just... Yeah, I, I, I think I think I mentioned that. Yeah, and I, the, the other one that got me was the the hundred cricket competition, which um, is going to be more. It was it was bundled in with the the whole ECB thing for the test matches and stuff. But again, Sky are paying more for five weeks worth of cricket, which we don't even know if this thing's going to be a success. People no. might not watch it, but there's more pe- there's more money being spent by Sky for the five week tournament than there is for a whole um, season of Super League. And ten of those games are going to be on the BBC. So in reality, most people are going to watch it on BBC. Yeah, I don't think Sky will get more than half a million. No, that's if right. that yeah, per no. game. I think you're right. So, as, yeah, as far as the cricket concerned, I think you're right there. I, I know a, a few people are into cricket and stuff, and I've seen a lot of stuff on on social media. You get like the adverts popping up on on your Facebook or whatever, and a lot a lot of people that I spoke to are saying how they're not going to watch it, and how they just disagree with with what it is and the format and stuff. And mm. I know that Sky aren't going on Facebook and seeing what people are saying, but it's like you say, it's, like Chris, it's a lot of money to be. Yeah, spending on something that you don't know is whether it's going to be a success or not. No. Do you like cricket? Uh, no. Do you love it? Yeah. Oh, very good. Nice little <laughs> song reference there. If you don't know the song, you won't get it, and you just think we're silly. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think and wasn't there a story with the with Sky? The other one that really annoys me is this the rugby union deal. That was it. Sky that walked away. Am I, am I, yeah, have I they got were, this wrong? They were, they were, I think they, originally they were going to um, try and battle it out with BT to get the rights for um, the, uh, the the rugby union, the premiership. Um, and they were, I think they, they wanted to create a Sky rugby channel, you know, like the Formula uh, the Sky F1, Sky Sports Cricket and all that. Right. Um, but I think they got a bit scared of how COVID was going to impact things and, and, and basically walked away. So BT sort of said, well, look, we'll give you, um, I think it was £110 million um, for a three-year deal. Um, and they went, yeah, because there was no other offers on the table. So I think the, 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 the rumour is that BT kind of lowballed them because they knew... They weren't going to get any more yeah. offers. They were the only ones in the room. Yeah. yeah. You've mentioned something really interesting then, and I wanted to take it on to branding there. And you mentioned about Sky Sports Rugby. And it's not Sky Sports Rugby I want to talk about. 
great. It's the word. It's the word rugby. And how we've and, let rugby union commandeer it. Yeah, which I, I'm not even quite sure that a lot of people even know that the word rugby exists in our sport, Gray. No, I think you're right. Um, I, I was I was thinking about this before. There was a there was a really strange thing. I think it was about two weeks ago, and um, the 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 netball super league team in Leeds is now called the Leeds Rhinos, and they advertised it on TV in one of these adverts. and And you would you could have looked, and it said Super League Leeds Rhinos, <laughs> and yeah. it was netball. The Google and, search um, would have been interesting on that. <laughs> yeah, and but you you think about it. I mean. They called it netball super league. They don't call it rugby league super league. You know, it, it, there's there's a Sky know when they called the netball super league the super league, and it may have been called super league before. But Sky, Sky give them money. They could have asked them to change the name of their, their competition if they wanted. Yeah. They kept that name super league because super league means so little to them. They don't even want super league to be the exclusively rugby league thing on their sports channels they're quite happy for a number of things to be called super league that's how little they care about the identity of rugby league mm. so they don't even allow rugby league to commandeer the term super league no that's, that's right. how that's how bad it is and, and you know the rugby world cup if you if you if you say the rugby world cup <sighs> no one's think no one's thinking about going to england Samoa at st james's in october no. they're thinking about the next one in france or wherever it is in 2023 or whatever and it's you know there's going to be 15 players in the team not 13 and we've just let it happen you know you can you can argue that the rugby union and their friends and the press and all this stuff have um, taken it from us but you can only take something if people allow you to and we could have fought for the name we could have and again going back to the conversation we had earlier about the division of power between the sport and the broadcaster we could have told Sky in 1996 yeah. You're not calling the Super League. And if you are going to call it Super League, it's the Rugby Super League. We never bothered. No, and I was just going to say that to you. The, the fact that it's like when you mention netball and you see it advertised, it's it's Netball Super League or Super League Netball or whatever. We, we, don't, yeah. we don't get that. We just get Super League. And there's so many Super Leagues now mm. out there. I mean, cricket has Super Leagues um, in, in some of its T20 competitions yeah. and things like that that they, that they always, that they always the, put The in. women's. The women's football at Callum was just talking about the Super League as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 you're right. And it's just so what? So what do we do? Do we we need? We, I'm guessing then that we need to somehow get the get the word rugby back. I think we need. I think we need to get rugby league back. I don't think getting the word rugby back is enough now because I think. Rugby is so synonymous with rugby union that even just calling it the Rugby Super League would lead to confusion that it was actually rugby union. I think we need to we need to call it the Rugby League Championship or something like that. We yeah. we need to we need to just have both of the names in our competition. And you know, as as we speak now, I mean, it's a fifty fifty deal whether the football Super League, the European Super League, is going to go ahead or not. But yeah. Imagine if that went ahead. I mean, you'd fall even further down the list of anybody thinking about our game when they talk about Super League. It, you know, it, I don't want that to happen. I'd be completely against it for loads and loads of reasons. But it would have given our sport a chance to look at the brand name and think, we've got to get rid of this now. Yeah. We've got to change this. Yeah. But, no, absolutely. And it, and, it, and, it, and it would come from actions of others, not from actions of ourselves. And this is the problem that goes around and around and around over and over again. 
we don't do anything as a sport to help ourselves. No, we don't. Um, I mean, I've seen I've seen suggestions this week that we that we go with names like um, NRL Europe or um, yeah. Euro, uh, Europe Rugby League, European Rugby League, or something something along those lines. But we, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. We need to get the name Rugby League back in and. Uh, the soon the, the sooner the better. Yeah, really. the one I've seen branded about um, a lot, which I, I quite like, is sponsor insert sponsor um, rugby football league premiership or championship. Yeah, so, and then it'd just be the RFL premiership. Uh, uh, you know, well, or, we used to, well, back in the day when we used to have playoffs, you'd have the you'd have the rugby league championship final. How yeah. how classy does that sound? The rugby league championship final. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, that's all you need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, question then for you both. Um, we've, we've touched on the podcast, Gray, around the new um, North American Rugby League, the NARL. Mm-hmm. If that's marketed right, is that bigger than Super League in 10 years' time? Ooh, good question. I'm one I've never really thought about. Um, hmm. You can't say, you, you can't, Dismiss that, can you? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, what would they need? They'd need a decent TV deal, and they'd need ten thousand people going to games. It's not not particularly impossible to achieve that in a decade, is it? Well, Toronto, Toronto did it, didn't they? They were having ten thousand people each game. Yeah. yeah, and you look how you look how many people go to college football games and high school football games Huge. in the states. Yeah. You know, there's there's a market for anything if it's marketed well and it's entertaining. Yeah, and games only last two hours, which for an American audience is pretty good yeah high scoring excitement big hits it seems like the most american game ever doesn't it really when you when you boil it down to to what happens the and, principles and what it of is it, yeah. yes and um i i think they they could really take to it um obviously it's very similar in in canada wasn't it and like you say they were averaging ten thousand a game but if they market that right and 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 get the the they can start getting players over and things like that and and like you said about the TV deal, I think they were already um, streaming every single game of this season on on something called Sports Flick. Now I don't know how big that is in America. I'm, I'm not so sure, not but sure. they're already doing the right. They already seem to be doing the right things. Yeah, absolutely. Surely though, Gray, the um, the opportunity of the new TV deal gives us the perfect timing for a rebrand, doesn't it? If we're assuming that the one is done for um, the next two or three years, I, I assume it is. Yeah. But as with everything, it's really, really hard to get details of these things, concrete details. But yeah, the the next time it comes around in, what, 23, 24, whenever it is, yeah, it's just a perfect opportunity for us to, you know, to branch out and to try and seek alternatives. And, and, and you know, the, the best thing may be with Sky, but make Sky work for it, make them fight for it, make them aware that there are challenges you know, and get more power in the negotiations. Don't let them dictate it to you. Mm. I I was always hoping that um, Amazon Prime would come in as an interested party because I've watched some of the tennis on there and it's a brilliant menu because you can, like, you know, similar to the Watch NRL, you can watch every game on a replay if you wanted to, upcoming games, all that sort of thing. That that would be absolutely fantastic. I, I mean, they're getting involved in the, the, the football, aren't they, a little bit? And yeah. I, I do think that, that could be the future, not just for, for, for rugby league, but I think uh, a lot of sports in general with with the way that the, the world is now, everything's streamed, isn't it? And yeah. everything's instant and easy. And 
People want instant answers, don't they? And, in, and things there in the fingertips, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that could be a real avenue to try and explore for us. There's, there's a thing that somebody said about there's sports in America and, and what TV companies really, really, really value is people watching things live because no one watches anything live anymore. Everyone mm. just tape, everyone wants to say tape and show my age. You, you know, you stick it on your Sky box or you scream back on whatever um, format you have. To actually watch live stuff and watch the adverts and to actually sit there is really, really valuable for uh, broadcasters, which is why in America, the NFL and um, NBA get massive TV deals because of some of the few things that people actually watch live. And as streaming progresses and becomes a bigger thing, these TV companies are going to really, really value stuff that people sit down at a specific time and watch live. Yeah. Advertisers can put their commercials on and people are going to watch the commercials. So you have to make them fight for it. And you have to say, this is 200,000 people, a captive audience. They're going to watch it live. They're going to watch all the adverts in between. They're going to do this, do that. Make them work for it because the competition is going to be really stiff in two or three years. There's going to yeah. be other people, hopefully, who are going to want to, show even at least a little bit of it and what Super League could do is actually separate it out and say here's a here's a bundle of games for 40 games you get the best pick every week yeah. and then you you can have the second pick every week and you get you know two games at Magic Weekend and make two or three companies take the rights and then you know make them compete with each other and you start a bidding war then don't you so yeah absolutely but, I don't um, think it's going to be like the Premier League but you know no <laughs> but at least we're small, at least right, it's a yeah. start yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna we're gonna pause it there in a minute um, because we're gonna move on to part two next week, which is around governance and structure, which is always a um, a hot topic. Um, but I'm just gonna finish on a on a positive note with something that we we didn't mention earlier on is that the Rugby League World Cup um, has um, has signed a, a seven figure sum uh, for sponsorship with Kazoo, a car dealer, mm. um, which is the biggest. Uh, deal in World Cup sponsorship history, so at least there's there's some optimism perhaps there, Gray. Yeah, you you can't you can't argue with that. That's um, it's a sponsor, it's money. Um, yeah, I think the World Cup's going to be a big thing. I, I I bought tickets last week for a couple of games. I'm looking forward to it. I think it could be a massive shot in the arm if England do well, potentially win it. Um, all the expensive seats at St James's for the opener are sold. It's um, you know, people are people are invested in it. Hopefully and next time we have it in four or five years or six or seven years, maybe people want to spend two, three, four, five million to sponsor it. And if it's a success, you've got to be optimistic and, you know, sell the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully, hopefully at the World Cup, we can do some live podcasts. So I hope you're going to join us for them. Live from St. James's Park. Yeah, from yeah. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that'd be good. So great. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, well, it's been fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, we've really enjoyed it. Really um, looking forward to the next one already. And we've got lots more to do yet. So we're going to call a halt to part one there, which is the uh, the sponsorship and branding debate. And there's some real, real uh, food for thought there. Uh, we're going to move on and record next week for the second of our three parters. But I think that's it from us for now, Callum. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, like I say, it's been it's been excellent, and I'm really looking forward to the next one. And um, there's always Always lots to talk about with rugby league, isn't there? Absolutely. So, Gray, we're going to get your timing right on this one as we as we go out. So it's <laughs> it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from me, and goodbye from me.